The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 151 of the podcast, or you're joining us live here on YouTube. Today is Sunday, July the 28th, the very last episode of Scotch Month. I'll tell you about that in just a second. We're also coming off of a UFC pay-per-view this weekend. A lot of people were very disappointed in. Me, not so much. I enjoyed the fights. But before we get into that, let me introduce my co-host, Sweating it out in hot and sticky New Jersey, Jeff, the Animal Wilson. Jeff, how are you feeling on this Sunday evening, my friend? Later time than usual here. Yeah, Bill, we're both uh, doing a little bit of the runaround today. I also woke up at like noon, which didn't really help the cause. Mm. But, Bill, we're here. We're ready to rock and roll. And I'm sweaty because it's a little muggy out. Not as bad as last week, though. Yeah, man, I, I um, I barely made it through the card last night. I was, I was fading pretty, pretty bad. I got some, some bad allergies going on, or or something. Maybe a, a head cold. I don't really know. So I, was, I took some, uh, some like Sudafed type stuff, and it was making me kind of drowsy. So I was kind of, I was fading towards the end of uh, Holloway and Edgar last night, but. That's not stopping me from uh, enjoying the end of Scotch Month here, Jeff. So I got something I'm sipping on right here, and we're going to finish it off with something that's going to drive the Scotch aficionados crazy, and that is a Scotch cocktail, Jeff. And, um, you know, I think Scotch cocktails are a little bit underrated myself, so that's why I'm going to drink one while we do this episode here. This cocktail in my hand is called a Rob Roy. And uh, I just whipped it up downstairs before running up here. You can see it's got a little lemon peel in there. Basically, it's a Manhattan. And it's same ingredients as a Manhattan, but you use scotch instead of rye. I don't know why it's a, called a Rob Roy. I'm not sure of the etymology there. Uh, I guess it's named after somebody who decided, or maybe they were just out of rye. And were like, hey, I'm going to make a Manhattan. I only got this scotch. Uh, so I use the McClellan scotch, which is a single malt uh, Highland scotch. Uh, it's on the, the lower end of the price scale for sure. You don't want to be making any cocktails with with expensive uh, single malt scotches like a like a 15-year McAllen or an 18-year Glenlivet or, or any of the other fine scotches we've been talking about so far this month. You want to reach for the, the cheaper stuff. So it's just... Um, a little scotch. I do three ounces. Most recipes call for two, but you know I, I need that extra little kick to get me through the day. A little sweet vermouth, um, which is just like a, an Italian wine. I keep a small bottle in my in my bar because um, once you open it, it goes bad in about three months. And I don't I don't make Manhattans like all the time, um, so you know you don't want that going bad. So I recommend get the smallest bottle of vermouth you can find, and then just uh, some orange bitters. You shake that up in a cocktail shaker, 
and then you pour it into a glass that while you're mixing the ingredients, you should have the glass chilling with some crushed ice and water. And then you pour it uh, into the glass neat or straight up, as they say. And then, um, you know, throw a little lemon peel in there. And it, it's, uh, it's pretty refreshing. It's not as, like, syrupy as a Manhattan. I do enjoy a good Manhattan, though. And uh, you use the lemon peel instead of uh, the cherries that you use in, in a Manhattan. Um, so that's it, man. We're going to, we're going to call an end to scotch month. Hopefully I've, uh, I've reasserted my, my knowledge of adult beverages here and, uh, we'll move on to other things. I was at the grocery store today, Jeff, and they already got the Oktoberfest beers on the shelf. Uh, so like the German style Oktoberfest beers and the Sam Adams Oktoberfest, you know, usually it's like mid August. You start to see those coming out, but you know, they're busting them out early this year uh in any case jeff any any uh culminating thoughts on scotch month here well i've enjoyed you know learning a little bit more about scotches and and how single malts are different from from other brands and bill my only question to you is who's roy <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i have to look that up is that like hey, the guy who made the drink maybe i don't know he makes a fine drink that roy <laughs> i'll have to look that up for next week i'll have that information for you jeff um so that's that and uh before we get into the fights i want to give a big shout out here to uh our boy billy quarantillo oh yeah who, uh not only won his fight on dana white's contender series but got himself a contract in the ufc uh so uh, a huge shout out to Billy. His fight was awesome. If you guys missed it, go back to ESPN plus and watch his fight. He was the first fight of the night on week five, Dana White's contender series. Um, he had a rough goal of it in the first round. You know, a guy took his back. Uh, you know, he had back control for quite a while. Billy reversed him one time. And then, um, you know, Camuela Kirk was his opponent, got him back down again. But Billy's just a guy who puts a pace that, that people can't keep up with. He came out in the second round and landed almost a hundred significant strikes on this guy and just broke him down. Uh, you could see him actually break. And then in the third round, it only took Billy 20 seconds to get Camuela Kirk out of there. He came charging across the octagon with his hands down. Uh, total gangster move. Uh, it definitely impressed Dana White. It impressed me. I know Billy. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I know him in person he was on the, we did a podcast just two weeks ago episode 148 by the way if you guys want to hear a little bit more about billy quarantello who is now officially a ufc fighter uh go back and, and check out that episode it's definitely an interesting uh interview he's got a great story he's got a great mindset and uh you know we wish him all the success uh, as a ufc fighter and we'll definitely have him back on the show uh, especially if we find out when his first UFC fight is going to be. We definitely want to give him some shine on that. So congratulations, Billy Billy Q. Uh, awesome job on the Contender Series. The Contender Series has been pretty good this year, Jeff. Um, there was one week that was kind of a downer, and then like there was another week everybody got a contract. And then I, I think I, I'm a little biased maybe, but I think Billy had the best fight of the whole season maybe uh, just because it was so back and forth. Um you know, he definitely gave up that first round big time and then, you know, proved what a gritty fighter he is uh, with the comeback. So, 
All right. Let's keep things moving along here, Jeff. A lot of people disappointed in UFC 240 from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Um, I I thought the fights were okay, you know, I, until I saw, I went on social media and I saw people were so outraged. I think the problem here is, um, you know, last time Max Holloway headlined a pay-per-view is when he fought Dustin Poirier. You were down here, Jeff. We watched it together. Uh, it didn't do so well. It did like um, a little over 100,000 pay-per-view buys. And, uh, you know, that was with Stylebender on there and Calvin Gastelum as the main event helping it out. So I imagine this one is going to do a little less maybe. Um, so when there's not so many people watching the fights, I guess you hear the negative voices come through a little bit more, um, which is sad, you know, because you have the option to not watch it. People are like, I knew this card was going to suck because, you know, the, these fights suck and then they sucked and I was right. Uh, okay, well, don't watch it. I, I thought there were some really enjoyable fights on here. We had some really tough fighters. We had some surprises. Um, we we had some things that kind of went as expected. Um, you know, they're all not going to be amazing cards, and it's usually the ones that you least expect are sometimes amazing, which is why, in my opinion, it's always worth checking them out. That's why I try to catch every single card. But, you know, people like to complain. I get it, Jeff. You know, complaining is like a recreational sport these days. So we're going to try and keep it positive here on MMA on the rocks. Um, the main event, I thought, I thought it was a lot more competitive than, than a lot of people did. Um, you, you know, people were kind of saying like Max Holloway dominated this fight. I, I really didn't see it this way. I thought Frankie Edgar definitely held his own. Uh, he, he definitely lost the fight. I don't, I wouldn't argue that, you know, he should have won a decision, but I didn't see it as a 50 45, like two of the judges did. Um, you know, I thought Frankie looked good. Frankie Edgar's boxing is like, he does everything right that my boxing coaches have always been telling me I've been doing wrong. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I know how hard it is. You know, he's got great head movement. He's got great footwork. Uh, he moves his head on the way in, on the way out, moves his head while he's throwing punches. He moves his head after he throws punches. He's able to get in and out of the pocket so quick, which helps, you know, mitigate some of the reach disadvantages he's had in the past. I was surprised to see he only had a one inch reach disadvantage against Max Holloway. I thought it would have been a lot more than that because Holloway is just so long and lean. He looks like he has a much longer reach, but I think it's just the way he kind of hunches over and pushes his shoulders forward in his stance that makes it seem that way. But, you know, I thought Frankie Edgar had some really bright, shining moments in this fight, and I thought he was making Max Holloway miss a lot. I actually think that the, the number of significant strikes that were shown on the broadcast should have been a lot lower because I think a lot of those punches maybe looked like they were landing, but they weren't. And then every time Max Holloway tried to get aggressive and bring that volume that we're used to seeing from him, Frankie Edgar did a great job of tying him up and, and putting him, pushing him up against the cage, grabbing hold of a leg. Um, you know, maybe not necessarily trying to finish a takedown, but just make him think about it. Uh, I thought it was a great game plan from Frankie, but he just got, uh, you know, a little bit outpointed here by, by, a a, a bigger fighter who was able to land a, a couple more shots. I, I don't think, uh, Frankie should lose any stock points here. Uh, still one of the greatest ever, in my opinion, 
Uh, you know, he, he was the champion at his walk around weight, which will always be an outstanding accomplishment in my book. Uh, but, uh, can't take anything away from the champ either. Max Holloway, you know, he stayed composed in there. Uh, he didn't turn it into a brawl because he realized every time he tried to do that, he, uh, he was getting caught and Frank Yeager is always dangerous. Uh, at the end, he was like, I wanted to make sure we went the whole five rounds. That's why I didn't finish him. I thought that was a little weird. And then some people were like, yeah, he didn't finish him on purpose. I don't, I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if you should be saying stuff like that either. But congrats to the champ. This is a big win. I mean, uh, a win over Frankie Edgar is never, never something to shake a feather at or whatever the fuck that phrase is. But give me your thoughts on this main event here, Jeff. Yeah, dude, I agree with you. I think Frank Edgar doesn't lose any stock here. I think it's just a tribute to how good Max Holloway is, man. And he looked great in there. He um, was using his jab really well to keep Frank Edgar away. I think that's why we saw a little bit less wrestling from Frank Edgar. And the, the couple of takedowns that he did land, or the one in particular in round three, was you know, because Holloway started landing a lot of shots and, and trying to tee off on him. And mm -hmm. that's when Edgar, you know, changed levels and, and caught him with a really nice takedown. But um, I thought Holloway did a really good job all over the place, man. He didn't let Frankie hold him down. He didn't let Frankie Edgar tie up his hips or anything or pressure him so that his hips were out of the equation. And I think that's why he was able to get up so quickly in that third round. Mm -hmm. um, Bill, I'm going to... I'm going to disagree on just one thing. I felt like Max Holloway won basically every round. I, I didn't see him um, losing any of the rounds, even the one where he got taken down at the end. I thought he had done a lot in the beginning of that round. Mm -hmm. uh, I felt like he was doing a lot of damage, um, but I agree with you a hundred percent. I think Frankie Edgar did a really good job of not letting Holloway um, just start teeing off on him, not turning it into a brawl. And, you know, we saw a patient Max Holloway last night because of that. Um, there were one or two times where he started throwing three or four punches at a time, and Frankie Edgar would get in his face a little bit and press him up against the cage. Mm -hmm. So really good fight from both of these guys. Um, I, I don't think anybody loses any stock. I think Max Holloway, you know, I think he's just that good. I think he's improved so much from that loss to Conor McGregor a couple of years back. And yeah, he had a couple missteps against uh, Dustin Poirier, but you know, he's a great fighter as well. So either way, I think nobody loses any stock and Frankie Edgar said he wants to keep fighting. So I, I certainly hope we get to see him in that cage again after he recovers a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure we will. And a lot of people are asking for him to go down to 135. Uh, but his response, I liked his response. He said, I want to prove to my son that size doesn't matter. Uh, so I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, you know, he was very emotional after this fight because, you know, only recently did his son start coming to the events. Um, so, you know, Frankie Edgar is a guy that's really hard to root against. Uh, you, you'd really have to convince me of a reason that, that you don't like him. And I, I can't really see why, you know, he's not a trash talker. He's always respectful and, and he gets out there and he, and he performs against guys that are usually, you know, walking around, 25 30 pounds bigger than him um but yeah holloway looked great i think the volkanovsky fight is probably next for sure and then maybe if we get another contender like a zabit uh come up um but after that i think he should be done with 145 you know i'm i'm not of the opinion that um 
that he doesn't belong at 155 because of the fight with Dustin Poirier. You know, I thought, you know, he kind of held his own in there. Uh, you know, and let's face it, Dustin Poirier is one of the best in the world. I would like to see Max, you know, get one or two more at featherweight and then, you know, start to work his way up to the bigger weight classes and, and get away from these drastic weight cuts that he's been putting himself through. Uh, you know, we, we know he's had some complications with the weight cuts in the past and had to pull out of fights and everything like that. Um, I, I think, I do think that he does belong at 55 eventually where he can, you know, possibly extend his legacy depending on who ends up being the champion there, uh, in a, in a year, year and a half or so. Uh, so that's what I would like to see. So maybe we see Max move up eventually. I think the Volkanovsky fight is, is almost definitely next. Um, but I, I could also see Volkanovsky getting screwed over, uh, because that's just the way this game goes. Sometimes he's not he's not that well known. So if a bigger name comes along with an impressive performance, like a Zabit or something like that, I could see him kind of skipping the line. Um, and that's just the way it goes. It's just a business. And with that, let's get into the co-main event because there's a lot of things going on with this fight, uh, that have to do with the business side of things that I'm really looking forward to breaking down for you guys. So cyborg, you know, with a fairly dominant performance over the undefeated Felicia Spencer, who, you know, a lot of people, and rightfully so, give her credit for sticking in there and taking some big shots from Cyborg. Um, <clears throat> also, a lot of criticism of, about Joe Rogan's commentary, not just in this fight, but in the card overall. I saw a lot of people really lashing out at Joe, and I think this is just another case of, uh, it, you know, when there's not a lot of people tuning in, then, uh, you know, the, the most negative voices are always going to be the loudest because most people are just watching the fights and, and enjoying them and not really saying much. Uh, so that's just the way it goes. Um, it, and, and the thing about being a broadcaster, I just want to get this out of the way too. It's a fucking hard job, man. You know, you're talking for like six hours straight. So of course you're going to make some mistakes. Um, you know, we do this show for a little under an hour every week and I'm wrong at least a dozen times. Uh, <laughs> from start to finish, uh, it's a, it's a fucking hard job and I'll be the first to tell people that Joe Rogan was my inspiration to get into podcasting because of his show. And, um, I don't listen to it as much anymore. And I tend to disagree with a lot of things that he says in the broadcast, but, um, I would never say like he doesn't belong in that position or he's not doing a good job anymore. Um, you know, it's okay to disagree with people. That's just part of being human. You know, you're not going to agree with everybody. Um, but, you know, we're in a culture of outrage where, you know, recreational outrage, as I like to say. Um, but anyway, give, give him a pass on this one. Let's talk about the actual fight. Uh, give me your thoughts, Jeff, and then uh, I'll get into my opinions here on this co-main event. Bill, um, I saw a lot of comments online saying how exciting this fight was, how Felicia Spencer is, is um, you know, so, um, how do I put this? You know, people were impressed by Felicia Spencer, and they were impressed by the way she fought Cyborg. Um, I'm, I was impressed too, but for a different reason. Um, her, you know, her grappling was... Felicia Spencer's grappling was okay. You know, people, I felt like, you know, just reading through some of the comments on Instagram and Twitter, because now I have an Instagram, um, 
it, it was just people were were exaggerating a little bit. At least that's what I felt like. Mm -hmm. uh, Felicia Spencer, her grappling was okay. You know, she she made Cyborg not want to be on the ground, but um, you know, and and we only saw that in like the first round or the second round, and you know, Cyborg wasn't in like danger of anything. She was kind of just stuck. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And so I didn't really understand that. Um, you know, I, I Felicia Spencer did a good job of of um, you know plugging Cyborg's offense a little bit but she wasn't attacking on the ground mm -hmm. as much. And when I, and I'm not talking about the takedowns, I'm saying once they were actually on the ground. Um, but other than that, I was impressed with Spencer's durability. I think that um, not a lot of females can, can hang in there with cyborg. A lot of them, you know, I've been finished in the first round after cyborg blitzes them and Felicia Spencer, you know, she came out for the second round smiling at Chris cyborg. You know, when mm -hmm. do you see that? So, um, I was impressed by Felicia Spencer, but not so much by her her fight ability. I don't think she's a bad fighter by any means, so don't don't get it twisted. I mm -hmm. just, um, you know, I I was impressed more with her durability and you know just seeing how tough she is. Um, so you know, good win for Chris Cyborg. Um, I'll be honest with you, Bill. I thought it was going to come a little bit easier for her. I mm -hmm. thought maybe we'd see a finish here. But um, good for, for both of these fighters. I think both of their stocks go up. You know, Cyborg proved that she can still hang with uh, these new up-and-coming fighters. And Felicia Spencer, you know, proved that she is a very, very tough opponent and a very game opponent. Yeah, for sure. I thought, <clears throat> I thought she looked good. Um, I don't think she was getting credit for the right things. I thought she had a great game plan, you know, holding Cyborg up against the cage. Mm-hmm. Is a, is a great strategy because what that does is for people who carry a lot of muscle and who have to cut a lot of weight like cyborg does um and people are criticizing joe rogan for bringing that point up uh, a little too much i guess but you know facts are facts that's that's what it is she she walks around at a high weight it takes a lot for her to get to 145 uh so when you get held up against the cage and you're forced to grapple in that way it fills your arms up with blood and basically uh you know, they get filled up with lactic acid as well. And you get that kind of dead arm feeling. And that's what Felicia Spencer is going for. And she did a great job of that. She did a great job utilizing a high underhook to control Cyborg and keep her pressed up against the cage. Every time Cyborg tried to tried to spin out, Felicia Spencer was able to spin her right back uh, because she was using that high underhook. He, she was usually using it on her right side. And she did a great job of that. What she didn't do a great job of was closing distance and moving her head while she was striking with Cyborg. I mean, she was basically keeping her head right on the center line, just holding it out there as a punching bag. So even towards the end, if Cyborg was getting a little gassed or, you know, her arms were filled up with that blood and lactic acid, all she had to do is throw straight punches right down the pipe and they were just landing at will. And she would kind of rush in. She wouldn't make any kind of contact. Um, you know, with the hands or the forearms or the head to tie up, she would just kind of rush in and try to grab a hold of Cyborg. And, um, you know, I would have liked to see uh, a, a bit more conscientious grappling in those exchanges. You know, once she got in on the clinch, you could tell she was a lot stronger, uh, considering that she's so much smaller than, than Cyborg. You know, Cyborg two inches taller and obviously carries a lot more muscle, but Felicia Spencer and much much stronger in the clinch and i was very impressed with that but um 
I, I would love to see her, you know, working on that head movement, working on that striking and, and closing the distance safely because yeah, she could take a punch, but that's not something you want to be known for. You know, you want to be known for winning fights and, and doing so without taking a lot of damage, but I thought she looked great. And, um, as far as people saying, you know, if Cyborg fights this way against Amanda Nunez again, she's going to get destroyed. I actually disagree with that. Um, I think the most dangerous Cyborg is the patient Cyborg who picks her shots and doesn't go for the kill. Uh, so I think if she fights that way against Amanda Nunez, it'll be a completely different fight. Because remember the way she lost to Amanda Nunez is because she fell into a brawl. And that's when she makes mistakes and that's when she slips up and we've seen her do it against, you know, lesser competition and she didn't have to pay for it as much as she did with Amanda. But yeah, I I've said for a long time, a patient cyborg is one of the most dangerous fighters. And I think a lot of people have this idea of her in their heads as this like monster. And that's why they think, uh, you know, she's only being effective when she's being ferocious. Uh, but I think she's the most effective when she's being patient and strategic in there. And that's what we saw against Felicia Spencer. And also, you know, you could say that this cyborg would get destroyed by Amanda, but we, we also really don't know how good Felicia Spencer is. You know, we saw her look great against Megan Anderson, but we saw that Megan Anderson kind of collapses against a higher level competition. Uh, in the UFC as compared to it in Victa. So it's kind of hard. There's not really like a good barometer for measuring the talent in women's MMA in the higher weight classes yet. So Felicia Spencer could be, you know, the next big thing. We don't know. She's only had seven fights before uh, Cyborg. Um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't judge Cyborg's performance and say, you know, she's going to get destroyed by Amanda. And the other fact here is I brought up earlier, Jeff, the business side of things. So what happened leading up to this fight was Dana White was coming out and saying Cyborg is afraid to have a rematch of with Amanda. And, and she told me so and, and this and that. And Cyborg came out and was like, no, this is bullshit. I never said I was afraid. And of course, people go and attack Dana White. And, and here's the thing that people don't get about Dana White. He's the promoter. It's his job to make fights happen. And he can't make the fight happen with Amanda Nunez and Cyborg, which is, you know, a fairly profitable fight for the organization because there's a storyline there and, um, you know, they're both big names in women's MMA. He can't make that fight happen if Cyborg isn't under contract with the UFC, which last night, a lot of people may not know this, was her last fight on her UFC contract. So, if Dana White has to put himself in a position of the bad guy where he's criticizing Cyborg and trying to get her mad uh, to sign a contract and then get back in the cage with Amanda Nunez, and that's what he's going to do. Uh, you know, if he has to make another fighter a bad guy, then that's what he's going to do. That's his job to promote and to get people emotionally invested to want to spend money. You know, people want to spend money so that they could prove Dana White wrong. I can't wait to see this fight so Cyborg could prove Dana White wrong and he's such an asshole. Or, you know, whatever the case, you root for Dana White. Oh, he's, he's right. She is afraid. Uh, but I would pay if she gets in there with him with Amanda Nunez again. And this is the way it works. It's a business. This is sports entertainment. Um, and I, I, I don't get it personally because to me it's so black and white. Yeah, you know, Dana says this, and I'm like, oh, he's trying to get her to resign. Um, 
I actually don't see it happening. I think Cyborg is going to take her talents elsewhere. Um, maybe overseas, one FC where she can get uh, a higher weight uh, weight class, maybe a bigger paycheck, and um, you know, not have to cut so much weight, and um, you know, not have to worry about some other uh, habits that she may or may not have. Um, and, and I don't see her resigning with the UFC, especially because I don't see her uh, getting that big contract from them because they're trying to leverage her a lot right now with this loss to Amanda Nunez. All right. So that's my rant, Jeff. Um, so, uh, <laughs> any other thoughts on this co-main event or, or anything I just kind of rambled on about here? Yeah. I'm interested to see what happens with this cyborg saga that we have here. I mean, Chris cyborg, you know, she's a, she's a great fighter, but to the UFC, maybe her stock has gone down after she lost to Amanda Nunez. And if that's the case, you know, Cyborg might not want to stick around. I mean, we've talked about how the UFC is not the only game in town. Um, you know, Bellator is in there and Victor as well. So, you know, I'm curious to see what happens. I, I certainly hope that Cyborg sticks around. I hope that she gets a good contract because she's a fighter that I enjoy watching, Bill. Yeah. For sure. I, I hope, you know, whatever happens with her career, it's a move that she's happy with. Um, and whether it's getting redemption against Amanda Nunez or whether it's making more money, you know, whatever her priorities are, uh, I hope that her next move gets her there. Um, so the fight I told you guys last week to keep an eye on is Jeff Neal and Nico Price. And for my money, this fight did not disappoint. This was a fucking wild-ass fight. And, you know, Jeff Neal kind of fell into the brawling, the technical brawling of Nico Price. And then, uh, you know, even went for a takedown on Nico, which once it gets to the ground, Nico Price's jujitsu is is fundamentally wrong. Like every every move he makes is not is not technically correct. But he makes it work somehow. Like he turns ways that you're not supposed to turn, and it ends up reversing positions that would never really work in, in grappling. But for for whatever reason, he's able to contort his body and force these transitions. Um, in any case, in the end, Jeff Neal's power uh, was just a little bit too much. He was able to get the TKO, and he was beating up Nico Price from inside the guard, and his coaches were screaming for him to pass, but he just went straight Tito Ortiz style, you know, with those long arms dropping bombs through the guard. I mean, old school Tito Ortiz, like back when he actually could fight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not like now where he's challenging pro wrestlers and stuff or whatever the fuck he's doing. But uh, give me your thoughts on this fight, Jeff. Yeah, man, this fight was great, dude. It was so much fun from the first bell. And, dude, um, I thought both of them looked really good. Jeff Neal and Nico Price. On the ground, it was exciting. On the feet, it was exciting. There, there wasn't a boring second in this fight. And Jeff Neal was doing such a good job of getting into good positions. You know, the back take. Um, Like you said, I don't know why he didn't want to pass the guard, but I guess he didn't need to. And Nico Price, man has just such a weird way of grappling. You know, he went for a guillotine, and and even as Jeff Neal was passing, Nico Price wouldn't let go and, and ends up turning and, and getting out from under him. It, uh -huh. It's just, I don't know, man. I, I don't know how to describe his grappling. But either way, um, super exciting fight. I felt like 
uh, Nico Price was very disappointed once uh, the fight was stopped, but I feel like it was the it was the right call by the ref. Um, Nico Price had been taking a lot of damage. You know, his arms looked like they were going to go limp a couple of times, and just he looked like he was stuck in a bad spot. I think the ref had seen enough, and I thought it was a really good stoppage. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with the stoppage there uh, from Dan Mergliata. And, of course, Nico is upset at first, but then, um, you know, you saw him kind of joking around with Mergliata. And then when Mergliata was, in, was uh, or when Bruce Buffer was announcing the winner and Nico Price put his hands up <laughs> and Dan Mergliata just started cracking up, that was, that was one of the funnier, more lighthearted uh, moments of the night for me. But Jeff Neal, man, this guy's a beast. Um you know, very, very much more textbook than a Nico Price. You know, mm-hmm. very technical with his striking. Yeah. Even the takedown he hit was very like textbook, like step by step, double leg, and that like this is how you do it. Like nothing, nothing unorthodox from this guy. But um, you know, he does everything with full intent to do damage, and uh, I, I think. He's got a bright future in this welterweight division. I don't think Nico Price loses any stock either. I think the company is a fan of his wacky style and his his wacky personality. And you know, there's a lot of fun fights out there for him, like maybe a Mike Perry or something like that. Um, I, I think it would be a blast. And um, there's a lot of good fights for Jeff Neal in this division as well. Um, so let's keep moving on down the line here. And here's a fight that probably a lot of people were disappointed with, but I, I was really impressed with Armand Saryuki and, and the way he manhandled Olivier, uh, all bad Mercier in his, you know, in his hometown arena here. Um, Saryuki is a guy that in order to appreciate what he's doing in there, you had to have wrestled at some point because the pace he's able to wrestle for, 15 minutes and constantly pressure and constantly shoot and constantly grapple and never stop moving is totally exhausting. Uh, and if you guys remember, he had that really great fight um, back in April with Islam Makhachev. He was actually the, the first person to ever take Islam down in, in the UFC octagon. That was a big deal uh, just because he was so relentless and he lost that fight. But, you know, we saw a guy that is just so tenacious with his takedowns and was able to just manhandle a guy in Olivier Alban Mercier, who is a really accomplished grappler. Uh, you know, got a lot of submission wins and, um, you know, to see, to see somebody, uh, control him the way that he did and, and just make him look so helpless was, was really interesting to me. I actually really enjoyed this fight and I want to see another fight. Uh, that people are probably going to hate. And that's Armand Saruki and, and Gregor Gillespie. I think that, that would be a fucking uh, a grappling war because those are two guys who relentlessly go for takedowns. And even after they get them, they're relentlessly grappling and going for TKOs and submissions and, and never stopping. And maybe don't, don't always get finishes, but um, they just never stop. And that kind of gas tank is, is always... Uh, amazing to me. Uh, so I was really impressed with Saryuki in, in this fight. Um, did you catch this one, Jeff? 
Yeah, dude, I was also impressed with Armin Saryukian. Dude, I love Olivier Aubin Mercier, but his offense was just completely shut down yesterday. Mm-hmm. I mean, he mounted a little bit of, of a of a you know fight back in, in the second round. He kind of had a guillotine locked up. But dude, Saryukin is just so tenacious. He's like a little pit bull in there, you know? Yeah. Um, just just going after that bone and you know, going after those takedowns and just really just he broke Aubin Mercier's will, man. And I don't know what you do if you're Olivier Aubin Mercier at this point, Bill, because he's lost three fights in a row. Um, I, I don't know if you change camps. Um, you got any ideas for him, Bill? I don't um man it's tough because he's he's right in his prime you know and he, he's that tri-star so it's not like he's in a wrong camp but i think you know the the last fights he's had ha- have all been against just um better grapplers you know mm-hmm. gilbert burns is just amazing on the ground one of the more underrated grapplers in the ufc i think you know, not a lot of people talk about Gilbert Burns and then Alexander Hernandez, uh, you know, pre losing to Cowboy, um, <laughs> you, you know, he's a phenomenal wrestler. Um, and, and it's not like people are finishing Aubin Mercier. He's still never been finished. Uh, and he's got some impressive wins. Uh, I think it's just, you know, maybe it's the mental game in there. Uh, maybe a little time off. Uh, maybe he's got to work on some other tools, so he's not always relying on the grappling. But uh, I, I think I think we could see him bounce back here. Um, the other thing is maybe moving up to moving up to one seventy because it's a fucking thick dude uh, for one fifty five. Um, uh, I think he was he's a guy that would really benefit from that one sixty five pound weight class uh, that we've been advocating for for a while. Um, yeah, man. I think it's just bad matchups is all. Uh, I don't think uh, I don't think there's any drastic measures he needs to take. I think you know just keep grinding and and maybe not rely on the grappling so much. Add some more tools here. Um, uh, something else I don't have an answer for is is what happened with the Christoph Jocko and Mark Andre Barrial fight. Um, I, I I totally tuned out during this one, Jeff. And maybe this was one of the ones that 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 drove people to have a bad attitude about this whole card. Um, uh, I, I've been high on Jotko for a while. I, I've, I've found him to be really exciting in past fights. Um, this fight, uh, when it was over, and it wound up being a split decision for Jocko, when it was over, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I just, I, I lost track. I, um, it, it wasn't keeping my focus, really. And, um, it's a shame because I like both of these guys. I maybe they were just too evenly matched. I don't know. Uh, what were your thoughts on this one? Well, I wasn't crazy about this one, dude. Um, you know, I know you're not feeling a hundred percent, but I feel fine and I couldn't focus on this fight either, dude. <laughs> um, Jocko, you know, I felt like he wasn't doing too much wrong on the feet. Um, but I felt like Barrio did a good job of pressing Jocko up against the cage, you know, using that clinch a little bit. <clears throat> Um, I felt like Jocko was was smart about the clinches as well. He was able to really, uh, in a couple of situations, turn that clinch around and make it work to his favor. And, Bill, I just was disappointed with the grappling in this fight, man. 
every time Baru went for a takedown, it was very sloppy. There was little technique to it. He just went for a slam on Jocko, and Jocko always reversed it and ended up on top of him. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I know as someone who enjoys grappling, when I first looked at it, that's what it looked like to me. It just looked like people picking up and slamming other guys. And, you know, that's not the case at all. You know, there's a lot of technique to this. There's, you know, you put your hands in certain positions, you put your, your feet a certain way, you know, it's not just, I'm going to grab you and slam you. You know, there's a lot of technique to grappling, wrestling and jujitsu. And, you know, we didn't see that from burial last night. So that was disappointing to me. Um, you know, this fight just really didn't move the needle for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the, the next fight I had missed because I was kind of, um, I was getting the house ready for, for family coming over and stuff. And I was, I was waiting for the pay-per-view to start. That was uh, Vivian Orojo and Alexis Davis. Uh, from the sound of it, Alexis Davis got pieced up a little bit and she was kind of bloody at the end of this one. Um, uh, is there any reason I should go back and catch this one, Jeff? You know, Bill, I enjoyed this fight because Alexis Davis um, was, has been home with her baby uh, for a couple of years. It's been almost two years since we last saw her in the cage. And, you know, she looked a little bit rusty, but I felt like she put up a good fight. Uh, Araujo did really well in the first round. Uh, you know, we saw Alexis Davis kind of, you know, uh, get the jitters out a little bit in that first round. So she wasn't 100%. But in the second round, and this is why it was a 29-28 uh, decision, you know, Davis really turned it around the second round. She was mm-hmm. on top a lot, um, using her grappling really well, making Araujo breathe heavy. And then in the third round, Davis ran out of gas a little bit, which, you know, it's her first fight back. Uh, I think she she just needs to get used to this again, get her body used to it again. Um, I don't think her stock goes down. I mean, you know, she went, had a kid, um, and then came back to this. So you got to respect the hell out of that, man. Um, you know, Vivian Arajo went out there, did what she had to do. She looked good as well. So, you know, I'm excited for both of these girls to see them get back in the cage again after this. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Maybe I will go back and check that one out. You, you convinced me, Jeff. Um, Hakeem Dawadu. Nasty head kick knockout over uh, Yoshinori Horie. I, I would have swore it was Hori because uh, that sounds like a more Japanese pronunciation, but Horie. H-O-R-I-E. This was a great fight because it was very back and forth in the beginning. Um, Dawadu is another like Jeff, um, Jeff Neal, very straightforward, very technical striker. He's not going to be too outside of the box, but what he does, he does, he executes perfectly. Um, he's not going to engage in a, in like a brawl and he fought him through everything at Horier, but the kitchen sink. And then, uh, you know, big knees to the body and, and knees to the face, elbows, Nothing was really rocking Horier or even cutting him, which was amazing. I would have thought he would have been a bloody mess after a couple of these exchanges. And then, um, you, you know, at the end of the third round, they separate just a little bit. Uh, Dawudu had a clinch, and Horier kind of ducked out of it. And as he ducked his head down, just fucking shin to chin, bro. 
and that was the end. I know you I know you caught the finish of this one, Jeff. Uh, so give me your reaction here. Yeah, man. Dawdu is looking like he was in trouble. So he definitely needed this finish, but good for him, man. An overall really exciting fight. And that finish was just the cherry on top. Good for Dawdu. Um tough fight from both of these guys. And I'm excited to see what's next for them in the featherweight division, uh, which we've you know talked about. It's a little bit stacked at the moment. But uh Hakeem Dawadu, um, you know, I'm excited to see what he can do. I, I like exciting strikers like that. I like that this fight um, was on the feet. Um, so a good fight from both of these guys. Yeah, I'm excited to see what he can Dawadu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, we had to get one of those in here. <laughs> uh, I'm going to breeze over the rest of this. There's only one other fight I really want to go into detail on. Uh, Gavin Tucker getting the win over Sung Wu Choi uh, with a rare naked choke at the uh, in the third round. And uh, that was after getting a point deducted by Mark Goddard for uh, a kneeing a ground opponent. And Mark Goddard was, was very aggressive with the point deduction there. Um, so that was that. Uh, Davidson Figueredo, dominant performance over Alexander Pantoja. Uh, unanimous decision victory there. Eric Coach. Unanimous decision over Kyle Stewart. And the one I want to get into a little more detail, Jillian Robertson looking really good against Sarah Frota. So Frota, really high-level grappler, Pan-American, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu champion. And uh, Jillian Robertson, just a purple belt in jiu-jitsu. So you would expect you would try to keep this one standing, but nope, took Frota to the ground. Um, really good grappling exchanges in the first round here. Uh, Froto is dangerous off her back, but, you know, just wasn't able to get the job done. And, um, you know, Robertson was, in, even after the first round, after being threatened a lot on the ground from the bottom from Frota, took it right to the grounding end. Beautiful single leg, ran the pipe, took her right down. It was a textbook takedown. And, um, you know, Frota didn't do a thing to try and stop any of the takedowns from Jillian Robertson in this fight. You know, I guess I get it. She's so confident in her ground game, Pan American champion, everything like that. But, <clears throat> you know, MMA is a different sport. It's not jujitsu. You can't just, uh, you know, work your guard and, and rely on that. You got to get some takedown defense and get some offensive takedowns going. Uh, and Frota's got this weird tattoo on her face. It's like a little devil. And it's whispering in her ear. It says kill. But uh, I think she should get one on her other ear. It's a little devil whispering in her ear that says wrestle. Because she just put up. <laughs> she just put up no resistance to these takedowns from Jillian Robertson. And uh, Robertson brought down some mean elbows uh, at the end of the second round. And, and got the TKO over Sarah Frota. Who, you know, was a really high, highly touted prospect. You know, nasty grappler, but um, you know, credit to Jillian Robertson, not afraid to take a black belt down and, and beat the fuck out of her. So uh, awesome performance from her, uh, very impressive. That's, so that was the one I wanted to get to. Uh, any of the ones that I breezed over that you wanted to uh, go into more detail on, Jeff? Yeah, Bill. So you know, good for Jillian Robertson, earning her first. Uh, TKO finish I think she's more of a she likes to go for the submissions more so good fight from her but Bill um, I you know if you didn't go and see this one go back and watch it Gavin Tucker versus uh, Seung Woo Choi dude that rear naked choke was sick at the end man just flattened him out 
just gave him the python squeeze and just, you know, made Xiangwu Choi suffer for his troubles, Bill. And, Bill, I don't think we're done with the UFC action here. What do we got coming up on the very first Saturday of August? Yeah, man, right right in your backyard, New, New Jersey. We got, uh, I don't know, what does he even call himself? Colby Covington, the all-American, <laughs> make America great again, gangster. What is he? <laughs> I don't know, man. This guy's silly as fuck. Uh, uh, he makes a lot of people mad. Um, the, the Virgin Bash tour. Uh, or whatever. Nerd Bash, Bill. Yeah. Yeah, that too. Um, virgins and nerds are all going down in flames. Um, yeah, man. He pisses a lot of people off with this shtick, but. You, you know, it got him an interim title along with his skills. You know, you can't forget this guy is a silly fuck, um, but he could fight. Uh, there's no question about that. He He's beating up top-level competition and make it look almost easy. Um, so I, I don't know how it's going to go against Robbie Lawler, though, because, you know, a lot of his tactics are, you know, getting in people's heads and fucking with them, that's not going to work with Robbie Lawler. The other thing with Colby Covington, I don't think I even said his name until just now. Colby Covington and Robbie Lawler is the main event of USPN, uh, UFC on ESPN 5, uh, Newark, New Jersey, uh, next Saturday, August 3rd. This is an early card, by the way. The main card starts at like uh, 3 o'clock p.m. Yeah. Um, so the prelims are on like 11 or noon or something like that. So keep that in mind. It's on regular TV. That's because nobody wants to be in Newark after dark. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> yeah, not not the friendliest neighborhood, Newark, New Jersey. So um, this is an interesting fight. These guys used to train together at American Top Team until Robbie Lawler left a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, Tyron Woodley was kind of training there at the same time. And then they fought each other. And then supposedly the reason Robbie Lawler left was because they put up a poster of Woodley uh, with the championship belt. And Robbie Lawler was like, what the fuck? I'm still here. And he, he left. And he went, you know, wherever he went. Uh, interesting fight because Colby Covington obviously is a grinder. Great wrestling. Uh, you know, he wears guys out. Robbie Lawler, great takedown defense. And, and hits hard as fuck. And the other thing about Colby is he gets hit a lot. You know, his fight with Damian Maya, he got outboxed a little bit by Damian Maya. So if Damian Maya's outboxing you, you got to be worried <laughs> to get in there with Robbie Lawler, <laughs> who has some of the nastiest hands in the history of the sport. Um, so it'll be interesting. And, and also these guys know each other well. They're familiar with each other's style. Uh, so, you know, there, there, there has to be a reason that each of them are willing to take this fight, uh, because they both see something in the other that they think they can exploit in here. I think it's going to be a lot more competitive than people think. Um, a lot of people think because Colby is, is such, you know, an annoying little prick that he's going to go in there and just get blasted by Robbie. But you can't forget, you know, this guy's 14 and one, he, he dominated Damian Maia, dominated RDA, um, you know, to, to get that interim title, uh, he out wrestled Don Young Kim, uh, TKO and Max Griffin. Uh, you know, he's had a pretty impressive run 
in the UFC. You, you know, you put all the bullshit and all the marketing and all the, you know, make America great again stuff that that he does and and taking pictures with Donald Trump and and whatever else you want to get mad at him for. Uh, at the end of the day, the guy can fight. Um, plain and simple, but. You know, Robbie Lawler's a guy who doesn't need a gimmick. He doesn't need to talk shit. He just, you know, it, I, I think Robbie Lawler's one of the few people who's actually been able to pull this off, uh, you know, and, and make a career out of, you know, doing his talking in the cage. Because a lot of guys want to be about that life, and Robbie Lawler is one of the few who actually is. Um, so I, I'm excited for this one, Jeff. I think it's interesting. Um, I, I'm a fan of both of their styles, you know. I, I love the grinding wrestling style, as you well know, uh, from Colby Covington. I've been very impressed with him lately. And and Robbie Lawler is one of my favorite fighters to watch uh, of all time. Uh, you, you know, I'll I'll always tune in for a Robbie Lawler fight, uh, no, no matter what I have going on in my life. Uh, so it's a fun main event. Uh, give me your thoughts here, Jeff. Yeah, dude, I'm really excited for this one. You have your classic grappler versus boxer who can grapple <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh that's what people forget about robbie lawler man don't get it twisted he uses his wrestling in reverse because he's very good at it so i feel like if you can be good as a wrestler and use that in reverse to keep the fight standing hey man that's as good as being a good guard player who never uses his guard because he's always on top you know, same same uh, scenario there. And the Coleman event, I think, it looks like Jim Miller versus Clay Guida, which I'm really excited for that fight, Bill. But I feel like they have fought each other before. Am I wrong on that? I don't know because Jim Miller has been in there with everybody, and I can't remember, but I will look that one up right now. Uh, let's see. My my uh, website's just loading here. Jim Miller is coming off that that really impressive victory over Jason Gonzalez in his last fight in April, that rear naked choke uh, in the first round there. And, and before that he had a rough patch. He lost, you know, like five out of six, I think. Hmm. Um, let's see. Clay Guida. You would think these guys have fought before, right? Yeah. It's just, it, I feel like they have. Maybe um, I'm wrong on that one. I mean, those are two guys who have fought basically everybody else in their divisions. So yeah, they they have not fought before. Huh. but yeah, I'm with you on that. It seems like, it, you know, they probably should have. So Jim Miller's coming off that win. Plague Weed is coming off his uh, win over BJ Penn, who apparently is going to get another fight in the UFC for some reason. Um, he's going to fight Nick Lentz, and those two have like, you know, a long-standing uh, feud or whatever, but. Man, just fucking don't let BJ Penn in there anymore. I can't, like, come on, man. I didn't watch the last fight with Clay, Clay Guida just because, like, I don't want to see it. You know, BJ Penn is, uh, I want to I keep him in my mind as, like, the legend he was, you know, taking on all comers, fighting fucking light heavyweights and holding his own, uh, you know. Uh, it just makes me exhausted, Jeff. Uh, in any case that's a fun main event uh co-main event there especially you know for the jersey crowd jim miller you know if it's a jersey card you know jim miller's gonna be in there oh absolutely uh joaquin silva and nasrat hawksparas uh that'll be a fun fight gerald mearshart uh coming back on this one he's had a rough go of it lately 
against Trevin Giles, the 11 and one Trevin Giles. Um, what else we got? Uh, fellow Jersey boy Mickey Gall on the on the card against Salim Tuhari. Um, Antonina Shevchenko trying to rebound off her loss to Roxanne Modafferi. She's taking on Lucy Pudilova. Uh, what else? Jumping out here, Claudio Henrique da Silva and Cole Williams. Um, you know Henrique da Silva is a fucking monster, so you know he's always a scary dude to watch fight. And uh, that's it. Nothing else really jumping off the page for me. Anything grabbing your attention, Jeff? Not too much, but, uh, yeah, I'm just excited for for the main event and the co-main. And, Bill, like you always say, you know, this might be one of those cards that we don't know too many names on here, but those are the cards that uh, that wake everybody up and really deliver. Yeah, man. Uh, I know I'll be tuning in for this one. You know, it's free on ESPN. You know, some people might have a bad taste in their mouth after UFC 240, but uh, I don't. You know, I'm looking forward to uh, some some fun fights in the future and, um, you know, some fun drinks, too. We're done with Scotch Month now, so I, I don't know what's going to come up next. Um, we got the, the fall season stuff kind of coming up. So maybe we'll do something along those lines. Uh, I, I look forward to hearing your suggestions about it. You guys have been giving me really great feedback and uh, great reviews on the iTunes and everything like that, too. Some of them have been making me laugh quite a bit. Um, you know, I, don't, I really don't care what you guys say about the show. You can make it funny. You could roast us. Uh, you know, as long as you give those five stars, you know, feel free. If you give a five-star review and you make me laugh, I will read it on the air. Uh, so... You know, there's that. So go out there and review the show. It does help us out. You got something to say, Jeff? No, I like that. Um, it reminds me, I have this rule in my classroom, Bill, that if you can make me laugh, you're not in trouble, as long as it's school appropriate. Yeah, that sound, sounds like one of my rules when I was a teacher. wonder where you got that one from. Yeah, I'm not too sure, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> in any case... Leave us a review out there. Jeff, you got anything else you want to get off your chest tonight? Nah, um, I mean, I thought, it, you know, it wasn't a bad card. Maybe not as glamorous as some of the other cards we've had. But overall, good fights. I mean, at the end of the day, Bill, these guys are beating each other senseless for my entertainment. So I'm not going to complain. Yeah, man. I mean, do you feel better about it now that we've kind of talked it out, too? Yeah, it wasn't too bad. I feel like, you, you know. Feeling emotionally liberated. Yeah, yeah, we worked it out. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. If you want to liberate your emotions, you can do so by reaching out to us on social media. You can get a hold of Jeff at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget to give the animal a follow on Instagram because he's on there now after me badgering him for three years. And you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the Rocks, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I've been posting a lot more lately. You know, I've been trying to be more diligent about it. A lot of fun memes and stuff on Instagram, a lot of fight opinions and and little one-liners on Twitter and, um, you know, Facebook, more of the same. But do reach out. I love interacting with all you guys. And uh, you can go to the website, too, MMAontheRocks.com. I've been posting articles every week lately. Uh, I've been doing uh, biographies of a lot of the fighters who have been on the show, so, so go check those out. And uh, that's it. Uh, give us uh, your suggestions for what you want to hear uh, in August in terms of drinks and fights. You know, last month was Scotch month. We wrapped that up, put a bow on it. 
So let's move forward. We'll go on to something else. And, uh, you know, you guys want to talk tequila. You guys want to talk bourbon. Um, you know, I got a lot of, uh, a lot of good stuff to share. So let us know what you want to hear and we'll do it until next time. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>